0: welcome to the coop tank i'm your host steve cooper coming to you from sweet recording in beautiful mount laurel new jersey you know people if you have a video cast a podcast a book on tape hell even if you need a studio built sweet recording is the place for you joe ganjemi not only knows his stuff he's a great guy and he's honest so check out their website sweet s-u-i-t-e recording.com or email them at hello at sweet anyway Another week, another episode of the Coop Tank, and as usual, I bring people that I respect, are shakers and movers, are good people to the show, because as I say, there's a no-asshole quotient allowance, so all these people are good. And our guest today, first, a woman who I haven't seen for a long time, who's actually uh, used to be a Philadelphia Eagles cheerleader, and it's from First American Title. It's Amory Caruso. How you doing, Ann? I'm good. Thanks for having me here. And next, we have someone who actually used to work with the Phillies, so we have a sports theme going here. We have from Zoom 1 Media and Advertising, we have Maria Crucero. How are you, Maria? Good.
1: How are you doing, Steve? Great to be here.
0: And finally, a buddy of mine who we both have had heart issues. (laughs) We've talked about him. He's a great guy from Prime Point. It's Jerry Hampton. How's it going, Jerry?
2: Hey, good morning, Steve. Good to see everybody. Thank you.
0: Okay, so we're going to start off. And Maria, uh, tell us, Tell us a little about your company. What you do? What makes you different?
3: Okay, um, my name is Marie Crusoe. I am a vice president of business development for First American Title Insurance Company with their National Commercial Services Division. So I specialize in commercial real estate transactions here locally as well as nationally. So right. you know the difference with us is you can close a property in any state right here with our team in Philadelphia. All right. How about you, Maria?
1: Yeah, sure, I'm the owner and president of Zoom One Media and Advertising. I've been in advertising for about 30 years, not to date myself. Uh, but what we do is we help local businesses, franchise owners as well with their local marketing, uh, whether that be radio, television, outdoor, um, or digital marketing as well, social media campaigns, streaming. Um, so that's what we do, we're here to help businesses Get the word about what's great about them. And um, we love it. We love doing what we do.
2: All right. How about you, Jerry? Yeah, good morning. I'm Jerry Hampton with Prime Point. Uh, Prime Point is a local New Jersey based payroll, HRMS, time and labor company. A um, little bit different than the big national guys. You call us and somebody picks up the phone and will answer your question and get you the information that you need. So I've uh, been with Prime Point 13 years. Uh, great family, little business here.
0: Yeah, I want to start off cuz you each have very different areas you work in. And I want to know how how you ended up in the position and the place you are now and and what was your path to it cuz I talked to some people who said I just was tired of corporate. Everyone has a different path. Everyone has a story. And Maria, we'll we'll start with you cuz you know you're you're out on your own. So, how did you end up doing what you do and where you do it?
1: Yeah, it's so funny. I would have never thought if anybody had told me of like be looking in the future that I'd own my own company and be doing this, it kind of evolved. Uh, obviously, I started my career out as an intern at KYW3 in Philadelphia, worked for the Phillies in promotions, uh, was in radio for about 11 years, and then uh, I went to the dark side, the agency side. And like many people out there that started their own businesses, I call myself a COVIDpreneur. Um, when COVID happened, the world kind of turned upside down and the company that I've been working for you know, we lost so many people and started to go in a different direction. And then finally, my husband said, you know what? You've been doing this so long for somebody else. Why don't you do it for yourself? I'm like, sure, in the middle of a pandemic, why not? <laughs> and uh, I took the leap. And uh, it's been three years since I've opened my company. And it's been the greatest thing I've ever done. So the silver linings of COVID, they, uh, they abound.
3: <laughs> how, about, how about you, Emory? Oh, wow. Uh, So title insurance is one of the things you get in, you just kind of can't get out. I I went to Westchester University, graduated in 2000 with, you know, a degree in anthropology and had no idea what I wanted to do. I moved around a lot. Um, It wasn't until I landed down in Miami, Florida and started working for a developer, um, temporary work, answering phones, realizing I really like real estate. So I went to a couple of meetings at some of the law firms and realized I liked the legal side of it. So I had gone back to school and became a paralegal. I worked at a couple of large law firms, uh, moved back to Philadelphia, was studying for the LSAT, the market crashed and found myself, you know, realizing law school wasn't a great idea for real estate and just continued my path as a paralegal. Um, I worked for a developer here in Philadelphia and then started working for a title insurance company as an underwriter and an astro officer um, and from there I transitioned to a, a business development role about seven years ago. So the path was a little crooked, but I got here.
0: I think most of us have crooked paths. So Jerry, you know, we, we've talked before, what was your path to where you are now?
2: Yeah, mine's been pretty long and winding if they say, I kind of fell into sales coming out of school and um, worked for corporations, worked around the world, lived in Asia, lived in Europe, lived in the Caribbean. Uh, came back to Jersey where I grew up and uh, two thousand and eight got caught up in a downturn. You know, i had out of work for you know a couple of years and then fell into prime point through a networking group. Um, prime Point's the first private company, small company that I've worked for. And over that time it's been great. it's great culture and it's been fun to kind of build the company with the owners. So um, just you know kind of fell into a lot of things and just keep moving forward.
0: So all of you have, as I said, different paths. What core values? Because I think whenever, whenever we have a job, I think we all bring a core value, and people people, you know, respect that, and that's why you do become successful. But what are some core values that you think that you have? I mean, now there's different. Some people say they think they have something, and they're full of crap because we've all seen that someone goes, oh, I'm a great networker, and you go to the an vet, and they're like, oh, yeah, here's my card, and they suck. But what are some core values you think that you have – that 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 mean a lot to you because me, I think I have a lot of integrity, and I always grew up, you know, being having integrity and being honest. And so that's how my parents were, and they were, that means a lot to me. And I'm glad I've kept those, you know, values because you, you people can change over the years. But Jerry, what are some core values you think you have that that you're very proud of?
2: Yeah, I think being in sales, one of the things you have to do, you have to be, you know, very persistent and uh, just keep working hard and try to do the right thing for people um i've found if you you know you try to give back along the way you help people along the way those those people will help you at some point um i've also found you can't expect people to you know give you something um it's the stuff that comes out of left field the people that will help you you know people that you meet along the way in your networking so you know persistence giving it back um helping other people out yeah how about you emory
3: uh, I think being authentic. Yeah, I rolled into sales not knowing what sales was. Uh, it was really uncomfortable for me, believe it or not. I'm, I'm very social, but it was a weird transition. And I would read these books about emotional intelligence and leaning in and trying to mimic the person in front of you. And that just, it didn't work. What I realized is you have to be you. And once you're you and people get to know you, there's a trust factor that builds. You know, You can't be somebody else in the room um, it, and it's important, it's important to just be your yourself. And, you know, I, I it was, um, you know, just being honest. If you're in sales, you cannot promise the world, right? You have to know where your limits are. You have to know if mistakes happen, you know, how to fix those mistakes. So I, I would say being authentic and being honest are really important to me. And Maria?
1: Yeah, ditto to Jerry and Anne-Marie. I mean, those are definitely core values. And like Steve said, Um, integrity is everything. And I think that it kind of encapsulates that. Uh, But one of the things I definitely try and do because in every industry, um, you know, everybody kind of does, you know, in your industry does what you do. So I think a willingness to go above and beyond and do what others are not willing to do really um, is something that has always helped me out. Like I just don't do the job, try and and solve other problems, really kind of be in the the foxhole uh, with your clients and go above and beyond. Um, That's that old saying of, you know, uh, you know, go the extra mile because it's not very crowded. (laughs) So I really try and apply that um, to my everyday and in my company and encourage people in my company to do that as well.
0: So as we work and as we go along this wonderful path of life, you know I'm someone who you know I I wake up sometimes and I go through depression. I think everyone does, and you know it's not I'm not like a manic depressive, but I think we all affect it. The depression affects us, and you have to you have to kick out of it. You know I woke up the other day and I just it was cloudy out and I was just like I felt I, was like, I just didn't want to get up, and but I had to because you have, you can't just sit there and lay in bed all day. For a while my wife will yell at me. She'll say get out of bed. But what do you do when you wake up sometimes and you're just not motivated? Like, you know, you, I know all of you have families. I don't. So it's different. You know, you have kids and, you know, you have to be a role model for them and stuff like that. But how do you get out of that funk? How do you get out of it when you wake up in the morning? Cause we all go through with it. And then, you know, people who always are like smiling, you, you know, they're full of it. Cause everyone goes through a downtime, but how do you, how do you get out of the funk and and, and then not let it affect your day as you're trying to do business and, all of you are in the in the business of getting customers. How do you get out of that funk? We'll start with you, Maria.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, when I started my business, you know, being an entrepreneur, it was a whole different ball game. And staying motivated is critical. Um, and yeah, you know, everything isn't always peaches and cream. I mean, you know, I think that's one of the things that social media tends to make everybody think, you know, you're only seeing the bright side of everybody's life. Well, you know, we all have those ups and downs but when I started, I really do meditation. I do meditation before I go to sleep. I do a lot of positive affirmations, even when it feels like I'm comfortable and it doesn't seem right. Like I'm, I feel good today. Um, that, that mental conditioning, when I get up in the morning, I really try not to pick up my phone and scroll. Sometimes it's hard, but you know, we get inundated with a lot of neg, there's a lot of negative stuff, uh, especially with Crazy stuff going in the world today that you tend to expose your mind to. Um, the subconscious mind is very powerful. So I try and put my earphones on, either do a meditation or listen to classical music or music that picks me up. Music is very powerful uh, to change your mood. Uh, so any kind, anything you can do to change your mood, you know, doing the, the little things that make you happy, uh, focus on the things that the little things. Uh, having a good cup of coffee at your favorite coffee place, treat yourself and be gentle with yourself. You know, not every day is going to be a home run, but as long as you're moving forward in any kind of degree, a little step, that's a move forward. Uh, So you got to focus on the little wins.
3: How
0: about about you, Anne-Marie?
3: You know, I, I try and move every morning. (laughs) It sounds funny, but you know, whether it's a walk, um, I take a lot of our classes yoga classes um, you know it's for me it just kind of gets my day going it's it it just kind of puts me in a, in a better place overall I noticed if I don't you know move or work out for a few days in a row I am just an asshole really I mean I just can't deal with people it's like my my head is just foggy um, so I'm a big proponent of that. I mean, it doesn't have to be a major workout, you know, just kind of move a little bit. Like I had two back surgeries, so a lot of times I'm in pain. And once my body starts going, it kind of releases all of that and just clears my head. You know, the other thing I'll do is so if I'm really in a funk, the other thing I'll do, I'll just call a friend that makes me laugh, you know, or something like that. Just kind of, you know, talk to my nine-year-old about God knows what, right? It's just sort of put my head somewhere else, distract myself a little bit, and it tends
2: to keep me going.
0: How about you, Jerry? What 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 uh what do you do when you're in a funk?
2: Yeah, I I tend to look back to some of the mentors that I've had in life and the people that helped me through my sales process. Um, I remember one of my first bosses, you know, was very much an introverted numbers type of guy, but he didn't like to do demos. But every once in a while, when we had to, he would go showtime and get into it and get out there and get it done. Um, another boss, you know, that was in the, in sales, he says there's always administration stuff you can do. But you've got to, every day, make sure you make a couple sales calls and keep that sales process going. Because if you don't, your funnel's not going to be there. Um, And then the other thing that really gets me going is just, you know, when I'm talking to people, trying to close a deal, um, I I look for no's. I look for people to tell me, no, I don't want your service because I know when I get enough no's, you're going to turn the corner in sales. The yeses are going to happen. And uh, this past week has been great. I've had six yeses because I had a lot of no's there for a month. So you just have to have that mental mindset that you know that you're gonna overcome that and get out of the funk and you know, everything will be all right if you do the right activities.
0: So Anne Marie, you, you mentioned uh, your nine-year-old and I know uh, Maria, uh, your son's uh, doing amazing. He's in a Van Halen band or tribute band. And uh, I know Jerry has a daughter in college uh, or going to college. What What is a lesson? What is a lesson that you think that you've taught one or all of your children a lesson that you think will really help them in life. Like my mom taught me when I was younger. She said, you know, the no, like Jerry said about the no, always ask the worst you can get is a no. I went to see John Waite in concert. He was on my show two years ago. I sent him an email. I said, Hey, if you can cop me, my wife, that'd be great. If you can't, I understand. I got back. Oh yeah. Cop. We're front row. So I learned that from my mom. It was a lesson she taught me. What is a lesson that you have taught your kids or amory because yours are younger a, a lesson that you may eventually want to teach your kids mm-hmm. what is a lesson like jerry what's a lesson that you've taught your kids that you think is very important to them growing and maturing
2: um you know going to the sports team that the the ladies on the on the show mentioned uh, my daughter's a volleyball player up at Albright, and um you know she said she enjoys it she's had a lot of fun um i keep Telling her, you know, have fun. Don't take yourself too much, too seriously. Um, Before every match, I always text her, you know, um, take names, kick butt, have fun. You know, just get out there and do it. Don't be too serious about things. Um, But you got to work hard. You know, it's everything, as I said, it's persistence and, you know, learning every time you do something and making yourself better the next day. So just try to keep at it, I guess. And Maria?
1: So funny, I just told, I sent um, a video to my sons this week, and I'm like, I've always told you this, it was uh, someone speaking about, um, you know, being successful is not about doing the things you want to do when you want to do it. Mm -hmm. It's doing things that need to be done when you don't feel like doing it. And having that discipline will take you very far. So doing the things that, you know, you have to do, that's the difference between, you know, somebody that just moseys along and then the person that really succeeds and is extremely successful.
0: How about you, anne Maria? Because your kids are what, you're, you said nine and? Nine and 12. Okay, so they're they're still, like you're both, uh, Maria and Jerry, your kids are, but for nine and 12, it's important, yeah. but it's still like, you don't know what's gonna happen, but what are some of the things that you wanna tell them that you think will, help them out. And you're hoping they'll listen to you.
3: Uh, You know, one big thing is commitment and follow through. Um, There was a season, my son played soccer and he refused to play in a game, but would practice with the team. I think he was just overwhelmed by the people watching him. And I kept kind of telling him like, no one's looking at you, but me, really you're five. Um, But I made him go to every game and he, he would get, he would put his uniform on and he would go, and he would just sit on his ball and he'd be miserable, but I made him go. And, you know, at the end of the season, I said, look, if you want to stop, you can stop, but you're going to finish the season. So at the end of the season, the next season comes up, I said, do you want to play? I want to play. And he went out there and he played the entire season, games, practices, the whole thing. So, you know, for me, it's when you commit to something, you have to follow through, you know, you you, you have a team you're supporting, you can't just say I'm out, right? And, and that goes in a lot of things in life. And and it has carried through because, he decided to play the viola last year. And if anybody has a child that's played the viola, it's just nice to like, hey, her, her, you know, <laughs> And, and yeah, I, like in tears. And I felt like this terrible mom, but he wanted to play the viola. We got the viola. I made him practice his four songs a night. And sometimes there was tears. And by the end he could play it with his eyes shut. And he was amazing. And he can't wait to play another instrument. Right. So it's sort of like, you try something new, but you got to follow through.
0: You know, you can't just give up in the middle. Yeah, it is is. It it is funny. You do. I mean, encouragement is so important. And, you know, you find a lot of successful musicians or actors, you know, they had encouraging parents. You know, that, that's something because, you know, I know some – I know a friend who's a very popular uh, comedian. He's, his background is he's from India. And they're not too encouraging. Like he said, for me, being a comedian is something different. But I think a lot of times, you know, in America, the arts, people are very – they're very you know encouraging and i think that means a lot so okay we've all had jobs we've had many jobs different jobs give me a bad job experience you had a job that sucked but you learned something from it because we've all had stuff i i i was a manager at a restaurant in LA. I was a marketing manager and they wanted me to floor manage and I didn't want to do that. And I had won awards. I got big numbers. So I got drunk and I got fired and I said, screw it. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me because else they were they were taking advantage of me, but I learned, you know, you can't let people take advantage of you. You know, you can't sit there niceness. I mean, it's the old thing. People say, you know, if you're nice, people do sometimes mistake that for weakness. Well, it's not being nice is one thing, but what's, what's a job that or an experience that you had that, Looking back, I mean, back then it may have sucked because you feel like crap when you get fired from a job and you feel like a, an asshole. But what is a job or an experience that that is really that you look back and you learned a valuable lesson? And to this day, you go, man, that was that changed my life. And we'll start with you, Maria, because you've had, you know, I remember you used to be singing at the stadium, right?
1: Yeah. That was a job I really I loved that job. I mean, it wasn't a tell job us what that, that job was. Me.
0: Tell us, tell us. that Fire. job.
1: Yeah. So I, I used to be, well, I worked at the stadium. I started out as an usher and then I worked in the promotions department. We called, they called us Philadelphia funsters with a pH. And uh, I don't even know if they still have them, but we would go around and, you know, sing happy birthday to people in the crowd. We'd go around with the fanatics sometimes and we'd escort people sometimes onto the baseball field that, you know, pregame thing like that. So that was a fun job. I did that um you know in college and even out of college when I had first left but that was a that job you know you really learned how to deal with people all kinds of people all and when the Mets fans came down not offense any Mets fans but the Philly fans met the Mets fans and it was like craziness um so you learned how to deal with all kinds of situations um so that was fun uh, but I wouldn't say that it, that job sucked.
0: <laughs> so what, what was it? What was the job though? No, I just want to hear that story because it's a great story. I love when you tell that story. <laughs> what was what was a uh, what was a job that you, you you it sucked or something you had a bad experience uh, with that actually helped helped you grow as someone in the workforce?
1: Well, I think I worked in a dental office and uh, I just couldn't stand it. I did the insurance forms like when people would go get their dental work done. Um, And I'm like this, I knew right away, I didn't want to do this. Because if you work in a dental office, people are really not happy to be there. And then they have to pay a lot of money (laughs) afterwards. So doing those forms, I I guess, I don't think I learned anything. But what I did learn, uh, what Anne-Marie was saying is just following through. Uh, I committed to it. I stuck with it. But I definitely learned what I did not, a field I did not want to go into.
3: <laughs> How about you, Emory? God, I'm laughing because I've never been fired from a job, but I worked my way through college and had all these random jobs. Um, I remember in high school, I answered phones at Pizza Hut and I was like, I'm never doing fast food again. I mean, it was just, it was something. Um, but I could say we can curse, right? Yeah. Right, oh, so, yeah, curse <laughs> Instead of saying thank you for calling dominoes every now and then I go fuck you for calling dominoes just to like, <laughs> just because, you know, like I never got caught, but the job was just so boring. Um, but one job I had to actually help me was I was proofreading for a company um, the packaging for different medications, like, you know, acetaminophen and Tylenol. And instead of like reading the word, you had to say each letter Period, comma, space. And like it was just so meticulous. And what it really taught me is like just paying attention to detail. Um, when I was a paralegal and had, you know, different careers it, within the title insurance industry, you really have to pay attention to things like that. You don't want to mess up somebody's legal description, you know. So that period, comma, space, LLC, it, it's really important. So as much as that job sucked and I did it for about four months in the summer, couldn't wait to leave it, I finished it. But I've never, I mean, kudos to people at Proofread because it's just not—it was not for me. It just wasn't. But I learned a lot. You know, it's important. Those periods are huge.
0: How about you, Jerry? I know you. I know you have a story here.
2: Yeah, it, it, it was interesting. It was, you know, as I was starting my career and, and growing and doing very well, you know, I got to what I thought was a, a pretty good job. I was running the U.S. division for a small company. And I uh, had a lot of fun, but then, you know, I had, a, my wife and I had a, uh, our son decided we want to be back closer to family here in the Philly area. So I switched business from selling insu- for an insurance company to selling for a brokerage firm. And, you know, how hard could that be? I know insurance, you know, I know the product and, you know, I came down here and it it was, it was very, very tough. Yeah, and it, within two years I was fired. Um, I was working for a guy that was really a jerk. You know, there's very few people in life that I'll say that about, but he definitely fit that category. Um, and and it was tough after that finding a job and then actually did go through a period of unemployment. So probably what, what I've learned is compassion for other people, you know, because one day you're on top of the world. And then the next thing you know, it gets yanked out from underneath you. And um, you really have to you, you have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, but you also have to rely on other people to help you. So. You know, I, you, particularly in corporate world, and, I, and some of you guys may experience this, you get up around 50 in a corporate world, you know, things get tough. You know, they're looking to replace you with younger talent and cheaper talent and all that kind of stuff. So um, one of the groups that I belong to, a company an organization called Beacon, it's a networking association. So a lot of corporate guys in there, that you know, think they're going to be there for life. They get whacked at somewhere around 50, 55, you know, and they're out looking for their next gig. So. Um, those are people that I really feel for and try to get back and, you know, uh, help as much as I can. So compassion, Steve.
0: No, no, we are talking about experiences. We're going to, we're going to go to a good experience. What excites you about your job now? Like me, I love interviewing people. You know, I come in and I sit there and I go, I don't, like Anne-Marie has said, is there any questions? I, I may write a few questions out, but I, just let, it, I let it run. That's, I've always done that because I don't like pre-interviewing, I don't think. But I get excited when I interview someone because I always learn something and it's, and it's no difference between interviewing you. And like last week I interviewed Right Said Fred, the band who sings I'm Too Sexy. But mm-hmm. I learn stuff from them. You learn something every day and that's what excites me. And I think because we have to have excitement in our job. But what excites you about your job? Like when you sit there and go, holy shit, this is my profession and I love this because this excites me. What excites you about what you do Amory.
3: Wow. So I call myself an outdoor cat now. So seven years ago, I was behind the desk cranking away. And now that I'm on the other side of things and, you know, meeting clients and prospects and networking, I can't imagine going back to where I was. I was always a people person, but I, I didn't realize that my, you know, the core of who I am, I love helping people. I love talking to people. I could actually have a career out of it. Um, so it's exciting. I love talking to people. I love hearing their stories and, and helping people, you know, it's, it's one thing when I can get a deal in the door, but I actually really like connecting people that have some kind of synergy together. I think that's important. You know, it's like, who do you know and who you're trying to meet? How can I get you where you're going? So it, you know, it's, it, to me, that's exciting. And, you know, also I was just at the Phillies game You know, a couple days ago, so I I get to really get involved in the community by going to games and volunteering for things. So it's like triple fold for me. I I love what I do now, and like I said, I can't imagine going behind a desk again from nine to five. Like this now is my world. And you know, when COVID happened, it was very uncomfortable because I was so used to being out all the time. So and coop, that's how we met. You had done some networking, you know, virtual, you know, happy hours and it, it, it helped, it helped fill that void I was having on the social side. Cause I was so used to being out all the time, meeting people and talking to people. So yeah, that's it. I just love what I do. How about you,
0: Jerry, what excites okay. you? What excites you about what you're doing these days at, for prime point?
2: Well, Steve, I love selling payroll. Um, actually, (laughs) you know, to Anne-Marie's point, you know, I I love getting out and I love networking and, um, I've been in this market now for 20 years. It's really interesting to go out and it's, it's many people you talk to, you find that connectivity, you find, you know, I was at an event last night um, on a Boy Scout fundraiser event. We were at Tavistock and I was talking to a guy and lo and behold, he plays tennis with a good friend of mine. You know, and I didn't know that and we connect and we made a commitment to get together in the next couple of weeks to see where else we can help each other. Um, to Anne-Marie's point, giving back and trying to connect people and help them do better at what they do. I, I really get a charge out of doing that. and I guess that's kind of how you and I met, Steve. I mean, we knew each other and bounced around each other for, what, three, four years before we finally got together. And then we did. It's been great. You know, we you know, we share a lot of common experiences. So just getting out there meeting people. And, you know, of course, it's nice to close the deals, as Anne-Marie said, because that's what keeps the, uh, the money coming in. But, um, you know, it's it's getting out there and just giving back.
0: I, I was always je- jealous of Jerry's hair. I always said he has <laughs> a good head of hair. I'd be like, look at that. great. Bastard with that gray head of hair. Who is that guy? I want hair like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> how, about, how about you, Maria? What excites you about Zoom One Media?
1: I, I, well, well, we I love what I do, um, but I love that every day I just never know what's going to happen. And I love that since I started my company, I can create this to be whatever I want. And um, as I started growing the company, different opportunities have come along and uh, i work with um, agencies that I never thought I'd work with before. And I can create this to be whatever I want. When I was left my other company before COVID, um, I pretty much ran that other company. And then COVID happened and the world turned upside down. And when the, uh, the owner was going in another direction and we left on good terms, it wasn't a negative thing. But that feeling that somebody else controlled my destiny, I didn't like it. I, I didn't like that feeling, like that somebody else's decisions were going to affect my life. So this became my destiny, and what, I, you know, I live and die by my decisions. If it works, it, it's it's on me. It's the roller coaster, but it's my roller coaster. So that's what gets me going every day. Is I just never know where the roller coaster is going to take me next.
0: Now we all we all met through networking and we all go out and network and there's all different ways As I said uh, it was it was coffee with Cooper Roy but Amory and, Maria, and I, met, I met I think I met Maria through a chamber thing and mm-hmm. Je- I'd seen you around and uh, yeah. networking is very important i think in the, in this day and age we don't a lot of people don't cold call anymore because it's sort of a, it, it's it's not like it was when you had to knock on doors you know it's it, you can send an email it's 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 easier to meet people you're all good networkers what makes you a good networker and if you sit there and go I mean, cause for me, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm sort of shy. I, I don't, when I go out, I mean, I, I don't like to talk to people cause I'm a skeptic and I don't like a lot of people. And I sit there and I wait till see someone I bond with and I'll talk to them. And, and I'm like that. I don't need to be the person in the room, you know, Hey, cause I've been on stage. I know what that's like. I don't need to be, Hey, look at me. You know, it's, 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 it's nothing. But, I think what makes me a good networker is because i listen to people and when they talk to me i'll listen now my wife disagrees because she says i never listen she goes when you do interviews you listen she goes you never listen to me but what makes you a good networker maria what makes you a good networker because you're out and about and you're doing a lot of conventions and you're doing a lot of shit, yeah. so you have to be good at it what makes you a good networker
1: well i resonate with a lot of what you said i'm very much an introvert um, it, it's actually worked for me. It doesn't mean I'm not social. I, I'm a social person, but it takes a lot of energy for me to network. And when I started my business, that was something that I definitely had to push myself and overcome. And fortunately, I think starting the company in COVID was a benefit. And I think your networking group was one of the first I'd, I'd ever joined. And it was actually a good way to get me into networking because you know everybody, nobody was going anywhere. And I joined so many networking groups and I met so many people so quickly that had COVID not happened, again, I go back to that silver lining, I think it would have been 10 times harder for me to get used to networking because it was so easy to network. And you could do Zoom calls. I was doing like seven Zoom calls a day. By the end of the day, I was like exhausted but I met so many people so quickly that it made my transition into the networking world a lot easier. So, um, you know, it's just about meeting people and trying, you know, to find your tribe and, you know, where you can meet and help people. And I really enjoy it now. I think you have to enjoy people.
0: How about you, Anne-Marie? Cause you said you were, you were originally, you were an outgoing, you were go, you were out there. And then all of a sudden you got it you were inside and you learned, but you, you missed it. But what makes you a good networker? What makes you want to get out there? And what, what can someone, what makes you get along with people? Cause you're very well liked.
3: Uh, hmm. good question. So, you know, when I first got into sales, I I really had no idea what I was doing. I went to my first event and I remember there was like hundreds of people and I looked at a part that like my counterpart is like, what, what do I do? They just go say hi. I'm like, really? Like, why? He's like, that's just what you do. Say hi. All right. So I go over, I say hi, get some business cards, you know, and I come back and I'm like, well, now what? You know, And he's like, you call them. I was like, to say what? Because you just talk. And I was like, wait, so you're paying me just to talk to people? Like, really? Like, I mean, I have to bring deals in too, but I think, you know, I, I go back to what I was saying before. It's like, be authentic. Right. And at that point I was, I was scared. I didn't know what I was doing. I could talk to a wall, but that doesn't mean They want to talk to me but i think the more authentic you are and you ask those questions like why and how and then just sort of start connecting with people you know i sometimes i'll find the person in the room that's doing this because i know where i was there i would look at my phone because i didn't know what else to do in a room where i didn't know somebody and i would just say hi and who do you work for and who are you trying to meet and you know organically have those conversations you know do you have a dog have you been on vacation and you know, as you get people more comfortable in the room, they're going to be more comfortable with you. And I, you know, I yes, I'm trying to meet the right people for me too. But if I can help other people meet who they want to meet, they're going to want to help me. So, you know, it's, a it's. I don't look for a tit for tat business exchange. I never do that. Um, I'm just looking for people that I generally want to work with, people I generally want to help. Um, and just kind of kept going from there. So I I've built a fairly large network. Um, and it's it's been great because I don't have to cold call you know i get referrals now and you know if you put it out there and put yourself out there people are going to reciprocate
0: how about you jerry what makes you a good network because you you go to a ton of events you know you i know you're around i know you you go to the thunder game i almost called you last week to get free thunder game because springsteen was canceled we went to Lionel richie on tuesday then springsteen was canceled on wednesday we wanted some live entertainment i said maybe we should call uh we should call jerry but i went drinking instead but uh so what uh (laughs) What makes you? you What makes you a good networker?
2: Lionel Richie came up last night. I heard it was a great show. I heard he was unbelievable.
0: Earth, wind, and fire crushed it. I mean, if you're if you're over forty five, man, that took you back to like prom and to to the coastline and to all those clubs in South Jersey. (laughs) Whoa!
2: What what makes (laughs) no names, Steve? No names. Um, you know, what makes me a great networker? I, you know, again, I go back to some of the things that I've learned through the years. Um, I don't know if anybody knows Michael Goldberg and knockout networking, you know, he did a, a pretty interesting group, you know, he said, you know, you, you, you have to go, you have to be interested in other people, um, but you can't show up and throw up, you can't be, you know, flipping out business cards like you're playing poker or something like that, you know. Um, I, I go to a couple of different types of networking. I go to the ones where, you know, I've been going there for 10, 15, 20 years and you know, everybody in the room it's great. And you always catch up and, oh, I needed to see that person. You get another opportunity to do that. But the other ones that are, that are a lot of fun sometimes are the ones you go to that I get invited and I, I don't know anybody. And it's, it's rare anymore to go into those situations where it's like, who are these people? Why am I here? And in those situations, I come out, you know, if, if I make one or two good connections that night. I think it's been a win, you know, you try to bring something away from it. Um, But again, as both Maria and Anne-Marie have said, the, you know, you just, you, you try to connect people and you try to listen, as you said, you don't, you know, you're not the guy that's going to be talking all the time. If you're doing that, people are going to get bored with you looking to get away type of thing. So, you know, just kind of listen and give back again, you know, do what you can. So.
0: Well, earlier earlier in the conversation, Maria, you had mentioned about LinkedIn. Not everyone acts like they're happy on LinkedIn, and and I, I, you know, we all have to use LinkedIn, and and I use it to promote my shows and to promote, you know, my networking group and things like that, and my podcast, and I do it for those reasons. And and I'll be honest, I like to get likes. I get pissed when I don't get likes because once again, I'm insecure. I'm an, I'm an artist. We're insecure. That's that's what we do. We're like, why why is this person getting likes? But I always go over people with like, what irks you? about linked uh, linkedin and you can open up because i'm not going to use terms because i'm not, i would go into say how the term rock star irks me but maria both your husband and your son are musicians so that must really yeah. piss you yeah. off because they're working their asses off yeah but but what what has been bothering me lately is i understand i understand we have to support people And that's what makes us good people. You like people. But there's over-likers. It sounds like a Seinfeld episode. There's over-likers. Like, you see people who like every damn post. And all of a sudden, and they make some bullshit sound sincere, like, oh, so good, so congratulations. And they don't give a shit. I don't care what you say. You can't like every post. And after a while, and I've talked to people about that, we know people who are over-likers. And we go, it's obvious. It's obvious that it's insincere. It's a lot of times it's too if it's someone you want to do business with, it's trying to get a good graces to them. to sit there and go, oh, they like my post. That's a thing that irks me. And that I always go through something every different every week irks me. But what's something, Anne-Marie, what's something that irks you about LinkedIn? Because we all have to be on there. But what's something that you go, oh, my God, this is such crap?
3: Well, first of all, I like your posts a lot because I like your posts. So if you,
0: if I if if I look like a habitual liker on uh, no 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 I don't I don't say no, because I mean I, I expect I expect not everyone to like my posts because a lot of times yeah. I saw people on Facebook they go hey that joke you wrote was really funny I go why didn't you comment ah, we don't we don't want to we don't want to be a pain in the ass all right no problem but uh no okay no so so what irks you because that's just this I mean I get I get irked by something every week on LinkedIn I I don't know why but it's because it is sometimes a real crappy uh site but we need to be on it but what irks you yeah. about LinkedIn?
3: So there's, I, I utilize it a lot. I think sometimes terminology makes me a little crazy. Um, gosh, people might kill me, but like I hate when the content grateful, I'm grateful, I'm grateful, right? I know I'm grateful too for certain things, but there's, sometimes it's a little too much. And then there's the key terms that started happening in COVID, like pivot. The word pivot to me, <laughs> I need bananas like for the first couple like 6 months of covid like what is this pivot shit there has to be another word out there but like you know so I'm looking into the SARS I'm looking I'm looking cuz it's like that it just it's it's when these key terms start coming up and people get get on that bandwagon for a little while and it's just like they're grateful and then they're pivoting and then they're it's just to me it's kind of you know you, you you gotta you gotta find something else, right? You gotta get a little more creative, right? Don't cut and paste somebody else's text or message. But there are some great ones out there. But me, it's it's terminology that I start seeing over and over that gets trendy. That makes me a little a little bananas.
0: How about you, Maria? Because because you're you're part of media. LinkedIn is part of what yeah. you do, so you have to stay original. And I wanna I'm gonna ask you just and when you're done a question just for you, but because uh, it's I want I'm, I want your input on it. But uh, what what irks you?
1: Well, just to comment on like people commenting and doing that, I mean, there are people, I've gone to LinkedIn kind of symposiums and there's a reason they do that because the more engagement they are, they're working the algorithms. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you comment on somebody's post, they tell you to wait till more people have commented and then you comment because then then other people will see you, your feed. So some of that is a little bit strategic, um, as I can tell you, uh, in terms of liking everything and, and trying to work the algorithms to your advantage. So it's a little bit of that, Steve. Um, what irks me about LinkedIn sometimes, obviously, I just can't stand the in-mail. Um, uh, you know, when people friend request me and then are just trying to sell me, you know, um, oh, you know, we're, you're friends with people I know and everything, and I don't know this person. And I really am trying to make a concerted effort to have like connections that are meaningful connections on on LinkedIn. So that's a little, yeah, an an irky thing for me. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna follow up with that question right after I asked Jerry. Jerry, what is, what irks you about LinkedIn?
2: You know, I use LinkedIn like everybody else all the time. Um, I guess when people get, you know, personal stories and that kind of stuff that really don't belong on LinkedIn, you know, it's a business networking type of thing, you know, put it on Facebook, put it on something else, Um, you know, um, like Maria, the ones that, you know, I get these requests from people that there's no way they know who I am. And, you know, I just ignore them. Uh, I've been going to, you know, ignore them and, you know, report them type thing lately because if I don't know you, I don't, I don't want to know you. (laughs) I mean, there's got to be a reason for us to connect. Um, but, you know, beyond that, I just, um, you know, my likes and my comments, I'm trying to be a little more strategic about that. And to your point, Maria, try to learn how it can help me do what I do. Um, but you know, a lot of times I'm trying to help the organizations that I support, the nonprofits that I'm support. I repost a lot of their stuff. So, um, I don't know, Steve, stuff that just doesn't belong on LinkedIn, probably the biggest arc.
0: I agree with that. Now I want to ask Maria and then we'll ask everyone uh, because this, this uh, comes actually back to LinkedIn when I, I put a post up the other day and it asked me if I wanted it to do it in AI. And I said, excuse the language. Fuck no. I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm creative. I'm not going mean, to, I'm I going to sit there and I, I'm sorry. I have a problem with AI and I know, cause I have a lot of friends who are comedy yeah. writers and they're on strike right now. And I have friends who are actors. I was at the, uh, the, 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 the Protest the other day in philly even though i'm not in sag i was sag eligible my, my wife was in sag because i support it and i hate ai because i think it takes away and you can tell when a post is in ai because it's the same spacing but i want to start with you and maria what's your look on ai because you are in advertising this is yes. cutting into your shit what Absolutely. is your, what is what do you think about ai and, and what i mean and how do we combat it
1: it is very scary i do not know how we combat it but when uh i i played around with it and i saw its capabilities now and it's only going to get smarter and smarter exponentially so what you're seeing now is nothing compared to what we're going to see a year down the road but my feeling too is like everybody who is like in a copywriter everybody that is even in graphic design is going to face some challenges because these mechanisms are insane and i i've worked with it to create a script there was one time just you know just like the more specific you are and it does it in a nanosecond so i'm like geez this is really scary and i you know for all those people that are in the creative arts and fields it's a scary time because i don't know where this is going to take us but i do know that it's going to impact jobs they say it's not and you just have to know how to use it but there's no question it's going to impact jobs. Uh, I have the same fears that you do, Steve, <clears throat> same.
0: How about you, Jerry? Because it, I mean, it won't really affect your job. But what, is your, what, are you, what are you feeling about AI and using it in your everyday life? Some people want to use it. That's fine. But what's your feeling?
2: You know, I've toyed with AI. I have done a couple of things. I actually had it do a, uh, a marketing letter for me. And it was pretty damn good. Uh, I pulled some of that and put in stuff that I use. I, you know, I think AI is like a lot of tools. It's going to change the way that people work. It's going to displace some people. It's going to make them, you know, and you know, have to do something different and, and, and use that tool. Um, I'm excited on the one hand to see where where it takes us and what it can do for us. I think it's going to be great in sales and maybe helping me identify my target market a little bit better, you know, uh, so I can get a better close ratio and stuff. Um, but I, you know, it's we're we're really going to have to watch, you know the, the deep fakes and that kind of stuff and the fake news and, you know, the ability to manipulate stuff. Um, you're really going to have to become more discerning. I think with the information you read to, to verify that it's actually true. Yep. So on the one hand, oh, yeah. I, mean, I think it's great, And on the other hand, I think it's, it's terrifying.
0: How about you, anne What's, what's, uh, is it going to affect your job at all? Or what are you, what's your feelings about AI?
3: You know, I'm, I'm less concerned about me than I am for the future of my kids. Um, I think creative writing is extremely important. I think that you know they're they're younger, they're not exposed to it. but, you know, I'm assuming that some of these college students are starting to realize they could have their essays written for them. I know that within AI, you can ask it to misspell certain words. You can ask it to make certain mistakes, therefore, it doesn't look so AI driven. So you know, my concern isn't necessarily my career, it's what the future looks like for the people, you know, the children coming up. Behind us, that this is going to be the reality. So you know, like spell check. Yeah, you know, my, my one daughter is a terrible speller, terrible speller. But she's realized they have spell check, right? They type most of their papers in sixth, seventh, eighth grade. So you know, I'm 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 a just a little concerned for the the future and what that's going to mean for some of the children that are going to be exposed to it.
0: Yeah, well, talking about writing and reading and all that stuff. Uh books business books i've never been a fan of business books yeah I, I did i did read the tipping point by malcolm gladwell and i'm reading a book now someone sent me because i want to get into speaking i want to do I'm, I'm working on half keynote half stand-up comedy it's called don't be a jerk the comedy of networking and i'm working on that and uh so i've never been a business book reader but other people are tell me what is a business book that you've read that has made a difference. And Anna Marie, you said in the beginning that you were used to read a lot of books when you got into sales. Do you yeah. still read business books or do you read, I mean, do you, or do you think if you don't say why you don't, I mean, you might not think they're important, but it, people have different you know, opinions about this.
3: I collect them at this point. I, I often go to events where the authors will be there or, you know, so I end up getting these books. Um, to be honest, I haven't read one in years. I, I think what I learned through it is it, it gave me almost this like analysis paralysis yeah. and kind of hindered me from just doing what I do. Right. Um, I really just enjoy reading for enjoyment now because you know, I like my kids are younger. I don't really read unless I'm on an airplane, to be honest. I unplug and the last book I read was David Grohl's book, which was fantastic. I read that like in a nanosecond. So, you know, if I had more time I would read, but it would be basically for me, not necessarily for my business development, you know, role in my career.
0: How about how about you, Jerry? Are you a book? Re- are you a, are you a, are you one of those book readers? There's an old Bill Hicks bit. And he was in the Waffle House and he goes, "Oh, we got one of those readers." Yeah, um, one, one of the readers.
2: Of- um- I, I am a book reader and, you know, but I lately it's been espionage fish, fiction type of stuff, you know, uh, going back and done Balducci and some of those other type of guys and just started with book one and worked it all the way through. Um, business books, you know, I'm not reading a lot of those at this point. I did a lot early in my career. You know, the Miller Hyman sales series were really great. Uh, Benjamin Graham, when I was doing investment sales, was a great book. Um, but at this point, I, I read, uh, profusely um periodicals, the uh, Wall Street Journal and Barron's and you know, um Sherm publications and other magazines and stuff, but not so much the book, Steve.
0: How about you, Maria? Are you are you one of those uh, business book readers?
1: Not a business book reader, but when I first started my company, um there was a big flurry about the, um Bob Berg's book, The Go Giver. And I finally <laughs> read it this year. I finally read it a couple months ago, um, which <laughs> Um, I gave it to my sons to read. I'm like, you have to read this because it's basically about business, but it's a philosophy of life, uh, which is basically you give without any expectation of receiving anything, but it does, it's kind of like karma, it does come back to you. So just do good things for people, kind of like, you know, what Anne-Marie said, be authentic, help people, and then you will reap the rewards. So...
0: Okay, well, I have one final question. I always end the show with this. Um, you meet someone, you know, in the 18, 19, 20, 21, someone who wants to get out in the business world, okay? As I always, I always use the term, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that term. But you meet someone, and they come to you, and they say, hey, listen, you know, what, what do you suggest I do? What is your advice you can give me? What do you tell that person? You know, what would you sit there if someone sat down and said, I want to take you out the coffee and I want to pick your mind, what advice would you give someone who's just starting out, man? You know, out of college, out of high school, no more, you know, going to frat parties, no more of this and that, getting shit going. What advice would you give them? We'll start with with you, Maria. What would you what would you tell someone if they came up to you and wanted to sit down and buy you a coffee cup, a cup, a cup, a cup of coffee? I mean, hear me, I, I sounded like chatting. <laughs> a cup of coffee um, my,
1: i would go i would go back to what i i say you know the core value is be willing to do what no one else is willing to do you know the, you know show up do because i will tell you in terms of working i tell my sons it doesn't take much today and I, I i shouldn't not that i'm trying to down a generation to stand out you know show up do your job do the best you can and always be willing to do more than what is expected of you. And you'll go far.
0: How about you, Emery? What would you tell someone?
3: You know, it's interesting because I just had a conversation yesterday, a Zoom call with a woman that's like 26, I want to say. And, you know, my advice to her is just the more you know, the more you're worth, you know, in, in any career. It's just, you know, never stop asking questions. Try and keep learning and learning. And, you know, it the more you know, the, the more you know. Um, the other thing I had said to anybody going to more of a business development sales role, I always say go on tour, right? Like the first six months to a year in, just go to as much as you can. Figure out where your niche is, what organizations work for you, you know, which ones maybe don't have the best, you know, memberships and just kind of go on tour and don't, don't be too serious. Like just kind of see what's out there and, You'll, you'll find your way, but I honestly really do think the more that you know, the better off you are. Never stop asking questions. How about you, Jerry?
2: Yeah, Steve, I got to compliment you. This has been a great panel. I think we all kind of share similar values and similar views. Um, throughout my career, the things that have guided me when I'm looking at a job and things I want to do is three things. Um, so you want to go out there and you want to learn something. You know, I think Anne-Marie just touched on that one. You know, the more you know, the more you know. Um, but you want to go out there and you want to make some money, so that's the other thing. And then the third thing is you want to have some fun. So each of my jobs that I've had through my career, I've tried to e- evaluate them based on those three principles: you know, learning, making money, and having fun. And as long as I'm doing two out of the three in that job, it's been pretty good to me, and it's gotten me where I've gotten where, where I want to get. You know, at some point, you you know, you learn a ton, but you're not making very much. Sometimes you're making some good money and you're learning stuff, but you're not having much fun. But you know, you just have to keep going and, you know, persistent on that. So those are my my words of wisdom. Well,
0: this is awesome. I want to thank you all for coming on. Tell people how they like, can get in touch with you. Anne-Marie, how can people get in touch with you?
3: Um, email me, a Crusoe at firstam.com, LinkedIn, plug for LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I won't link with people I haven't really shook their hand or done a deal with, but you know, if you reach out to me, message me, i happy to respond. How about you, Maria?
1: You can reach me uh, again at email, uh, mcorsaro at zoomonemedia one mediacom or it's my email uh, website address. You can do uh, an email from there. Uh, just fill out the form. Um, or you can call me at my office, 609-938-2555.
0: And you, Jerry?
2: Uh, probably my email is the best, jhampton at Primepoint.com. All right,
0: people, so listen, uh, get in touch with me if you need any of the services. Uh, if you want to advertise on The Coop Tank, uh, email me at thecooptank at yahoo.com. The people that watch my show and the people who are my guests are heavy hitters, so you might get some good contacts. You might get some business out of it. Instead of spending it on some bullshit ad, come to me. I'll read your copy. We'll be all good. Also, if you need anyone to moderate one of your shows, one of your panels, you know I can do that. And that's about it. I want to thank Joe Ganjemi. You got to have a podcast. You got to check out Sweet Recording, S-U-I-T-E Recording.com. I'm Steve Cooper. I'll talk to you guys next time.